Welcome to Highball Politics, what America's bartenders are hearing. This podcast is a bar crawl around America to find out what real people around the country are saying about hot political issues and culture. I'm David Kochel, longtime political consultant and veteran of six presidential campaigns. And I'm Rob Stutzman, political consultant based in California, once worked for a governor named Schwarzenegger. But more than that, Kochel and I are best friends and have drank together in a lot of bars across this glorious country. More than I can count. That's right, Rob. Each week, we'll interview a bartender in a different U.S. city and state to find out what people there really care about when it comes to politics and culture. Why bartenders? Because bartenders have the pulse of their patrons, and therefore, the pulse of America, real America. When Kochel and I fly into a city to work, and we want to know what's on people's minds about politics, culture, and pocketbooks, we do the only sensible thing and find a bartender. And to kick things off, we'll find out what drink the locals are ordering, get the recipe, and knock back a few while we chat with our guest. You can find the recipe for each week's cocktail in the show notes. And I can tell you, some of these will be amazing. If you decide to make this week's signature cocktail at home, please share a pic on Instagram or tweet about it with the hashtag HighballPodcast. And if you're a bartender or you'd like to nominate your favorite bartender to be on our podcast, please email us at HighballPolitics at gmail.com with the name of the bartender in the bar and why they'd be perfect for our show. Today, we're going to do something a little different. Rob, we don't have a bartender guest, although we'll probably have a cocktail we're going to be talking amongst ourselves. Why don't you let people know what the plan is? Yeah, so look, you know, the point of this podcast is, you know, Kochel and I want to bring to you experiences with people from around the country, different places, different perspectives through the eyes of the bartender. And we're grateful if you've been listening. We think it's kind of fun. But, you know, there's times we also, we have a little bit of knowledge because of what we do and experience. And we also kind of want to share some interpretation of what you're starting to see happen, particularly in the presidential race. So that's what we want to do today. This won't be super long. We'll get back to a bartender next week. But we thought that this might be of interest and it's within keeping of the mission of what we're trying to do. So to set this up a little bit, for those of you that don't know, David Kochel is, I'll say, the preeminent Republican consultant of Iowa politics for the last several decades, credentialed with many presidential and gubernatorial campaigns, native of Iowa. He's a real expert. And Iowa was really where the action started to take place. It may not have been something you noticed unless you're a real political nerd, but we want to start talking about what's happening, particularly with DeSantis and Trump and some of the blow-by-blow blow that took place last week. David was in Iowa last week, and he's also extremely well-sourced. So, Kachal, set us up a little bit. Why are we talking Iowa in this special emergency pod? Yeah, well, obviously we started our first pod in the series with an Iowa bartender, but I think this one is going to require a little bit more of our actual hands-on expertise. And Iowa came into focus this weekend because... It was really a, it was the second trip by Governor Ron DeSantis right in the days or maybe a couple of weeks before he gets in the race. And after he announced his trip to support a couple of Republican causes in Iowa, President Trump scheduled a trip to Iowa kind of trying to step on DeSantis' trip. And it was a real Bigfoot move. It was a move to try and really, you know, shut the DeSantis news cycle down coming into Iowa. So I've been getting interviewed by reporters from around the country on this. And I've been watching it pretty closely. Like you said, I was in Iowa and I've been kind of paying close attention to this as an observer. Now, I don't work for a candidate. I haven't picked the candidate, but I have long experience in Iowa, including organizing the caucuses in 1996. 
So it was almost like we've had spring training. You've had a lot of people coming in. You know, Nikki Haley's been around. Asa Hutchinson is there, I think, today. Tim Scott's been there. You know, guy named Perry Johnson running ads from Michigan. You got a, all kind of, you know, Vivek Ramaswamy's around. So there's been a kind of a spring training or a preseason to all of this. But this kind of felt this weekend a little bit like opening day. Yeah, the big right? leaguers showed up. Yeah, yeah, big league shows up. A lot at stake. Now, if you've been following the news on the presidential race generally, you know that Trump got kind of a spring bump with the uh, indictment in New York, because I think a lot of Republicans just, you know, they're just so sick of him getting attacked by what they perceive as, you know, prosecutors on the left, you know, persecutors, as he calls them. And so, you know, he's built a fairly sizable national polling lead. And we could talk about that in a little bit, Rob, but, you know, what that means and whether that's really worth anything. But he's had a pretty good run here the last several weeks. And at the same time, it's felt, I think, to some people like DeSantis has either had some missteps or has just kind of started to fade a little bit. The national poll numbers, which, again, we can talk about, have been kind of dropping slightly. And yet in Iowa and in New Hampshire, where this process really gets started out, it matters a lot more, you know, they don't care what the national polls say. They care what's going on in their own state. That's kind of the setup. So let's go to some of the details. DeSantis is coming in for a fundraiser for Randy Feenstra, who is the congressman representing Northwest Iowa. It's Steve King's old district. I'm happy to say that I was part of the effort to get rid of Steve King in the fourth year. Giller. I'm the King Slayer of Iowa. So he goes in to do a fundraiser for Feenstra. Feenstra's a very nice guy. Everybody likes him. He's planning to go in there. They're going to get about 700 people or so, which is a really good crowd for a fundraiser. Everybody has to pay to buy a ticket. This isn't a free rally or anything. Governor Reynolds shows up. Senator Ernst shows up. The Attorney General, Brenna Byrd, shows up. So all the kind of Republican big elected officials in Iowa show up to this event, and everybody knows about that ahead of time. Then he's going to go over to Cedar Rapids, which is the town that we started our podcast in, which is in eastern Iowa. It's the second largest city. And he was going to do a fundraiser for the state party there, hosted by the state chairman. And again, you had Congresswoman Ashley Hinson there and a number of other kind of big luminaries in the Iowa party. And so this is a pretty good trip to kind of come in and do this. Yeah, two, two, yeah spanning the state a little bit here. Yeah. Right. Two, getting through the state. Two big media markets. So right after this trip gets announced, Trump announces a big rally in Des Moines, Iowa at a place called Lordson Plaza. Lordson is a waterworks park. It's a huge, huge outdoor space. You might see REO Speedwagon playing there on any given weekend to about 5,000 or more people. So that's where he sets up his rally. And of course, it's the day before Mother's Day. And on Saturday morning, there's a couple of weather notices going on locally. Just real quick, let me just pause to set some context. So DeSantis is drawing good-sized crowds at these fundraisers. Yeah, he's speaking like in an auditorium or, or what have you, 700 people at the extra event. Trump is going for his signature big outdoor MAGA rally, right, in the heart of right. Des Moines. Which would give Trump the opportunity from the stage to say, oh yeah, Ron DeSantis, a couple of hundred people over in Cedar Rapids, look at my throngs and my huge crowd. And they would drive that on background to reporters for how much more popular the president is and how Size matters able to draw huge crowds. Yeah. It was a big thing in the 2020 campaign. Remember, they, you know, Biden was hiding in the base and all 
Trump was out drawing big crowds at rallies. So it's a big part of the Trump kind of lore, you know, that he has these huge rocking crowds, which I've always compared to basically an REO Speedway concert. <laughs> heard, way, by the heard it from a friend who heard it from a friend. <laughs> exactly. So come that morning, there's a little bit of weather going on in Iowa, including a tornado watch. Now, there's a bunch of stuff on Twitter this weekend about a difference between a tornado watch and a tornado warning. A warning means there are tornadoes in the area. They've been spotted. A tornado watch is the conditions are there that it could happen, right? So in the afternoon, about 2 o'clock, which was when the gates opened for the Trump rally, he wasn't set to speak until about 7. You start hearing that they are thinking about canceling the Trump rally. So at about 2.30, they do. They cancel the rally. There was a, a small line of people waiting to get in because a lot of people do like to go to those things early so they can get that front row. Citing the tornado warning, right? The weather. Right. So, yeah. so, right. So, they, so they cancel the rally. And immediately I start, because I'm fairly plugged into people who do these things and go to these things, I start getting photos of the Trump rally with the big screen saying canceled due to extreme weather. And, of course, there's a blue sky <laughs> in the photos. <laughs> So I tweet out that the Trump folks have canceled the rally because it was going to be a bust. And lo and behold, about 10,000 likes later and about 4,000 retreats later and 1.3 million views, you've got a whole kind of thing going on. It wasn't just me, by the way. It was Steve Dace, who's a conservative media personality in Iowa, who um, is associated with the Christian right, who was kind of taking on Trump for chickening out of this rally. DeSantis, meanwhile, goes and does the rally in Sioux City, or the fundraiser, fundraiser. for Feenstra. Then he goes to Cedar Rapids. Well, then about 8 o'clock, he shows up in Des Moines near the airport, which is right by where the Trump rally was, and does this impromptu last-minute rally at Jethro's Barbecue on the south side. They call the Total Audible. Total Audible. Built-in crowd at Jethro's. Built-in crowd at Jethro's Plus. I'm sure that they put out the word to everybody. Sure. You know, that Super PAC has already contacted. And he has a bunch of people show up. And, of course, the weather's just fine. And he kind of takes a little dig at it. So, Rob, while we're talking about this is tell us, you could tell us what the New York Times was saying the day before Trump gets there and kind of how this, this is a good way to sort of describe the ebb and flow of a presidential campaign, and you're the comms guy, so you tell me what you were seeing coming in. Yeah, and what so, you were seeing coming out. Yeah, I mean, DeSantis, like, well, like you indicated, he's he's been going through multiple weeks of not meeting expectations. Donors are concerned, really underperforming. While Trump was surging to the bounce, I, I agree, largely probably often the New York indictment. All the questions of is he up to it, which still exists, but that was becoming definitional. And then, of course, in our business, it's always, you know, when you fall, there's always the comeback story because, the, you know, it's kind of the way the narrative works. The press will tear a guy down, and I think they, DeSantis had, you know, probably deserved to be torn down to the extent that he was. But then they love the comeback. So two things that I observed. First, the beginning of the week, DeSantis did something he has not been doing, which is basically play ball with conventional institutional media. They haven't been doing that. But you know who reads a lot of conventional institutional media and it helps inform their opinions is the donor class. Uh, You know, he'd been kind of doing, you know, right wing, even fringy right wing interviews, media interviews. But they invited Jonathan Martin of Politico, senior national reporter for Politico and a great food critic, by the way, recommend 
Jmart's a good good follow on the socials. Invite him in for kind of a behind the scenes, you know, Tallahassee visit to basically indicate, yeah, look, we do know what we're doing. It's not just, you know, the, the DeSantis is a couple making the decisions. There are smart strategic people inside and they have a plan. And more or less, you know, I think, you know, Jmart reflected back a fairly positive story for the DeSantis campaign, but at least stop the bleeding on what the national narrative had been. Now, simultaneously at the New York Times and their top political reporters, who of course we know and we think are outstanding journalists, were still writing a, you know, the conventional wisdom is sliding against DeSantis' story. Well, DeSantis hadn't played ball with the New York Times, he played ball with Politico. So it's instructive, these campaigns. You know, yes. we, we may be from an old school, but this is the way you do media relations. You got to feed the press or they'll make you the meal. So the campaign did that. DeSantis did that. And then the week concludes with this thing in Iowa where, you know, part of the knock on DeSantis is, is that, well, you can't retail politics. You know, he's weird. He's socially awkward. Won't look you in the eye. He's got this bizarre laugh, which I think he kind of does. <laughs> it's just that he's not a personable person. He goes into Iowa. They strategically call an audible, which shows that they have some chops on how to do this. Right. Exploiting this mistake that the Trump campaign has made. Let's just say it wasn't a mistake. Just exploiting the fact that the <laughs> he's a no show. Yeah, he sold this rally, and he was a no show into something that just consumed the media cycle. Demonstrated him in this impromptu stump speech, which was it wasn't amazing, but it was normal. It was fine. He looked like a candidate, a regular candidate in Iowa. And uh, he's had this whole busy day barnstorming the state where Trump got run off by a tornado warning. It is fascinating how quickly you can pivot conventional wisdom within days in these campaigns. I don't know if it's completely changed that, you know, DeSantis doesn't have some hard work ahead of him. But I think he's pretty much, you know, has stemmed the flow of the blood that somehow he may not be up to this. It's clear that once they, it becomes a formal campaign, it has an opportunity to be a very good campaign. Yeah. And look, I mean, I was paying close attention that day and the next morning, the Sunday shows and some of the cable chatter that was just right. going on throughout the weekend really backs up the story that we just told. And that's really what he needed. And I think your observation about playing ball with the media is absolutely dead on. I think it's a mistake not to do that because like, as you said, you'll be the meal, you know, if you don't get back in the kitchen and work with them. So I think it was a really instructive and interesting weekend. Now the question will be, how much does this reverberate around Iowa? You talk about the sort of national audience for the New York Times and Politico and, and the cable news and all that really being donor influencers, but you know, WHO 13, you know, the NBC affiliate in Des Moines, Iowa has this story too. And they're talking about it too. And where most caucus goers get their news is, well, Fox News number one, probably an amalgamation of other con kind of conservative media, but then local news yep. is right there. And so this was a really good story for DeSantis and a really bad story for Trump that I think gave the feeling that Trump, their team is capable of making mistakes. Now, look, there was no tornado. They sent their team out to tweet out all the, you know, little map icons that, you know, showed little severe weather, you know, 80 miles away or whatever. But, you know, the DeSantis team was tweeting out screenshots of the Des Moines airport, you know, incoming and outgoing flights. There were no delays. There were no problems. <laughs> it's a spring day in Iowa. You know? Exactly. We yeah. get, you know, if you don't like the weather in Iowa, wait 15 minutes, it'll change. So I don't know. My guess is because it was Mother's Day, because there was a hint of weather, because it was a Saturday night, 
And maybe because he doesn't have, you know, the juice in Iowa, people are open to other candidates. DeSantis polls much better in Iowa than he has been nationally. I think there's definitely something to the idea that the Trump rally was not going to be the Bigfoot, you know, slam DeSantis, show the massive power of the crowd, you know, to the national media. And I think they pulled the plug to avoid maybe what could have been a worse narrative. They ended up with a yeah. very bad narrative, but well, they could you have got something worse if they had you know, 300 that, people in there. They'd have to roll Sean Spicer back out to argue crowd size. <laughs> it was only half full. Absolutely. Well, so, I mean, that's, that's what could be alarming inside Trump world is that they really can't build the crowd, which would be discouraging and it should be alarming to them. Hey, let me do one other quick zoom back out, David, because this gets back, and we can pivot in and then finish and talk about those national polls you indicated earlier, because they drive us crazy because they don't matter, right? Yeah, what matters right. is what we're talking about is what was on local news in Iowa, what do Iowans think, and what do people yeah. in New Hampshire think, and South Carolinians, and Nevadans, and these early, Michigan, these early states. Right. The week was largely defined, if you just watch cable news and read mainstream print, was defined by the Trump CNN town hall, right? Right, right. Which, of course, it was, you know... The, you know, some people are morally outraged. Some people, I think the Biden campaign was thrilled. You know, does this mean Trump just has a lock on the party because there's people cheering in the hall? Although Puck, our friends at Puck reported, well, that was only about half the room. Everything was all about CNN, Donald Trump, Caitlin Collins, et cetera. Right. But what may matter more as to who the nominee is going to be could very well be what happened on the, this first big heavyweight weekend in Iowa. And that's kind of what we just want to draw people's attention back to, to keep your eye more on what matters to how this process will go forth versus what attracts eyeballs to cable TV and, and sells newspaper or gets clicks. I guess we don't sell newspapers anymore. We get clicks. But to your point, DeSantis polls pretty well in Iowa. And yeah. Trump Trump didn't win Iowa. He's I, yeah, I think he's unlikely to win Iowa. But someone's going to come out of there with some momentum into New Hampshire, and it may not be Trump. Yeah, no, I think that's right. Look, your observation is dead on if DeSantis, or really anybody else, pulls out a win in Iowa. We saw the openings of that this past weekend. And look, there's something kind of interesting going on there as well. I don't want to make this just a show about DeSantis, because I do think Nikki Haley is getting some traction. She's doing some, you know, she's low to the ground, doing town halls. I've attended one just to kind of see the show. It was pretty darn good. Vivek Ramaswamy is going to get a hearing in Iowa because he's interesting. Tim Scott lines up with the you know the evangelical base pretty well with his story. And, so, he, and he's officially announcing next week. Yeah, so everybody, I think, will get a look. But what DeSantis was able to do this weekend in the kind of head-to-head comparison, on Friday he drops an endorsement list of 37 state legislators. Trump doesn't have anything close to that. He's got a handful. And state legislators usually represent kind of that side of the party, maybe a little more establishment. There were some very conservative people on there, but they're not, they don't come out of the activist movement, the MAGA movement. They represent kind of the Rubio coalition from the 2016 campaign. At the same time, he has Bob Vanderplatz tweeting about the visit. Conservative Christian leader in the state. Right. So, so. And owns the franchise. That's the Ted Cruz piece of the base. So DeSantis has now got his foot kind of in two coalitions that if he were to be successful, and there's going to be competition for it, not just with Vivek, Nikki Haley, and Tim Scott, but everybody else trying to do the same thing here. But he showed some real muscle at getting at these two coalitions. And then as to the national polls, I mean, I've seen data in Iowa that has this within 10 points. It's not within 10 points nationally. It's a 20, 25, 30 point race 
right now nationally. And numbers can move in these early states pretty fast. Iowa and New Hampshire in particular are very late-breaking states, and they do play off each other, and that will drive the national polls. So the only national poll you should care about is probably the one you see going into Super Tuesday, because yeah. that's actually going to represent a real, you know, cross-section of voters from all over the country, millions and millions of votes. So, yeah, I think we saw just a really interesting kind of opening bid for what this thing is going to look like. And you got other things coming. You got the state fair coming in August. You got the first debate in August. You'll have other debates. There are some forums that are going to be on the calendar. So you got to watch for all those things as potential inflection points, things that can happen that change the dynamic. But Kacha, we should give our, you know, in case there's any campaign operatives listening that have, you know, doing some planning for Iowa, we should give our pro tips of do's and don'ts for the Iowa State Fair. Like, well, most importantly, do not let your candidate be photographed eating a corn dog. No, do not. No, no, do not do that. In yeah. fact, I like to say, just to be safe, stay away from all foods on a stick because it's really yeah. hard to make any yeah. of that look good, even a pork yeah. chop on a Especially stick. Especially a snappy meat. Yeah. Yeah. And then on the pork chop, you got to be ready to flip them at the grill, right? You got Yeah, and you can't. They can't land on the ground. You got. Oh no, no, no. You got to be able to flip on the grill, man. You, no, you got to practice. Can't you screw practice. that up. You know, if you have a private helicopter, give helicopter rides. That worked for Trump last time. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Trump's like up there doing an interview with Mark Halperin uh, that that time at, with Bloomberg, while also having a kid with his greasy nose against the window looking out. He's just giving a ride to it. <laughs> it was one of the first indications that this was all going to be very surreal. We ought to get a bartender from the state fair around that time. Well, I, so we're gonna. There's that great that. beer hall there on the you know it's got the upper deck where you can you know drink a summer shandy and live pod from there in the fair time. For sure. With no yeah, meat on a stick. Okay, we'll relieve everyone of having to listen to us. Hopefully you find this interesting, and, and you know, and please stay with us. We'll be back with the bartender next week. We've been loving what we've been getting out of bartenders, and we think it's been very diverse. We hope you do, too. We really need your suggestions. Please feel free to email them to us at highballpolitics at gmail.com. We'd love some nominations that are starting to come in. Cost before we sign off, I mean, it is also, a, you know, a cocktail show. Anything interesting lately you've been shaking? In the cocktail shaker, that is. You know, I've been on a bit of an old-fashioned kick, but we have this local aperitif here called 10th Mountain Spirits Alpenglow, and it's a peach vanilla aperitif, and it just works so good inside yeah. an old-fashioned, I have to tell you. And I think, actually, maybe uh, you, you might have turned me on to that when you were here a year or two ago. So uh, I've been doing some of that. You know, we're getting into mule weather now. It's getting warmer here in the mountains. So I've seen, you know, kicking back a few of those. Do you have anything interesting you've done? Interestingly, I continue to try to learn more about my tequilas. I got to tell you, I mean, Mr. Clooney, for a celebrity spirit, I think has a fine tequila, Casamigos. I've been enjoying the Reposado lately. Uh, even do that in with a bit of a ranch water theme, you know, just a little soda and some lime, and it goes a long ways. Very refreshing, and especially as we head into warm months, it would do well in a flask at the Iowa State Fair. I think so too. On uh, on Cinco de Mayo, Rob, we made street tacos here at the uh, Cochal Homestead, and uh, I do believe I had a Casa Amigos Reposado margarita but i did switch to mezcal lately regular listeners to this pod know that i like that smoky flavor well you can and you can do your old-fashioned with that sure can we did our we covered the bases 
Yes, indeed. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Cheers, Rob. Cheers, Gotcha. We'll be back next week when we pull up a bar stool. We promise there'll be a bartender to discuss politics, culture, and place across this great country. Until then, be well. Highball Politics is a podcast presentation of Highball Media. Executive producers are David Kochel and me, Rob Stutzman. Our producer is Miranda Perrin. Please send your bartender nominations and any questions to highballpolitics at gmail.com. And find us on social media. We're at Highball Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. And if you were brave enough to make this week's signature cocktail, please remember to tag your pics of this week's with the hashtag Highball Podcast. And if you want to support our show, please subscribe to Highball Politics wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star review, and please share this episode with your friends. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.